السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ونسيئات أعمالنا. من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له. وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه. أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار The narration collected in the sunan of Imam Tirmadhi رحمه الله عن أبي واقد الليثي قال خرجنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى حنين ونحن حدثاء عهد ونحن حدثاء عهد بالكفر وللمشركين سدرة يعكفون عندها وينوطون بها أسلحتهم يقال لها ذات أنواط فمررنا بسدرة فقلنا يا رسول الله اجعل لنا ذات أنواط كما لهم ذات أنواط قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله أكبر إنها السنن قلت والذي نفسي بيده كما قالت بنو إسرائيل لموسى اجعل لنا إلها كما لهم آلهة قال إنكم قوم تجهلون لتركبون السنن من قبلكم رواه ترمذي وصححه هذا حديث from the narrations of Abi Waqid Al-Layfi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu where he said we were we, we left out and went out with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he's talking about something that took place during uh, the battle of Hunayn where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and some of the Sahaba got word that some of the mushrikeen after the Fath of Mecca were mobilizing troops to go and kill the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba. They had intentions on going to slaughter the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his companions and avenge Quraysh for what had happened previously in Mecca when Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gave the Muslims victory. And that's the story within itself. And this took place during the eighth year of the Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So eight years after the Prophet Sallallahu left, left Mecca and moved to Al-Medina, about 21 years into his da'wah, this situation that we're discussing took place. So this companion of the Prophet Sallallahu named Abu Waqid al-Layfi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he accounts uh, one of the stories, or he mentions one of the stories, one of the situations that they were in during this military campaign. He says, so we went out with the message of Allah sallallahu to Hunayn. Hunayn is a valley in between Mecca and Ta'if. He said, we went out to Hunayn with the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi We were new. We were new Muslims. We just left Kufr. We literally just got finished being Kufar. Now, if this is the eighth year after the Hijrah, meaning they've been in Medina eight years, you have to look at Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and 
Umar ibn al-Khattab and Uthman ibn Affan, Ali ibn Abi Talib and all those other companions, they were big ulama by this time. They were huge scholars. They understood Tawheed. They have memorized whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed. They memorized from the Quran. They knew how to mix salah. They knew the issues of tahara. The, the things yani, that made you a scholar, they had those things. Okay, big ulama by that time. But this man, Abu Waqid al-Layfi, from the tribe of Layth, Bani Layth. This man, this companion, Abu Waqid al-Layfi, from the tribe of Bani Layth, al-Hadith al-Layfi, he was a new Muslim. He was a new Muslim. So they didn't have the same knowledge of Abu Bakr. They weren't big ulama. And we find that that happens when a new person accepts Islam, new, he comes to the masjid, he or she may be new. They may have tattoos on their face. Nowadays, people have tattoos on their face. They may come to the masjid with tattoos on their face. They may have a big cross tattoo on their arm. You know, the woman, the sister may come to the masjid and she may, may not know how to dress. She may see a brother outside and walk up to her brother, salam alaikum, tap him on the shoulder, excuse me, because they don't understand Islam. They were new Muslims. So these things took place in the time of the Prophet sallallahu It wasn't a utopic, unrealistic fiction of a lifestyle that they lived. They were men who had real life men experiences and situations. And this is just uh, one of the examples to mention a few. He said, we were new Muslims. We just left Kufr. And while we were traveling, we noticed that one of the pagans or group of the pagans that used to have a tree. And this particular tree, they would sit around it. And they would take, they believed that they were getting some blessings by sitting around the tree and laying around the tree and remaining at the base of the tree for a long period of time. And that mushrikeen used to take their swords and hang their swords on the branches of the tree, believing that some kind of good omen, some blessing will go from the tree into the swords and perhaps make them fight better, make the swords stronger. That's what they believed. So Abu Waqad al-Layfi, being a new Muslim, coming from this superstitious, right, uh, polytheistic, pagan belief system and culture, he said when that happened... We all said to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this tree was called Dhatu Anwaq. That was the name of the tree, Dhatu Anwaq. He said, we said to him, Ya Rasulullah, Ij'al lana Dhatu Anwaqin kama lahum Dhatu Anwaq. Oh Messenger of Allah, can we have a tree that we can hang our swords on, the branches, and get barakah from the tree, make our swords better in so many words, the same way the mushrikeen had. We want the same tree. Now, before we move further, I want to mention the benefit. One, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, even in their new stage of Islam, they understood that to practice Islam, you had to go through the message of Allah ﷺ. These are brand new Muslims. Just, He said, we just left kufr, literally. We were mushrikeen a few minutes ago. And we're brand new Muslims. But they understood enough to know that before we implement any act of worship, if we want to do any ritual in Islam, we have to first filter it through the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they said to him, Ya Rasulullah, اِجْعَلْ لَنَا ذَاتَ أَنْوَاطَ كَمَا لَهُمْ ذَاتَ أَنْوَاطَ Could you make a tree? Could you dedicate a tree or, or, or uh, yani point out to us a tree 
right? Or designate a tree for us so we can go hang our swords on and get some baraka out of the tree and, and, and you know, improve our fighting skills in so many words. The same way the mushikin have, they understood that we can't do anything without first talking to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa After that, the Prophet sallallahu said to them, he said, Allahu Akbar, glorify Allah, to remove any polytheistic concepts or ideas, to make sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is munazzah, that he is glorified and praised above everything. Before he went any further, he said, Allahu Akbar, establishing and reminding everybody of the greatness of the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Inna hasunan. This kind of behavior is typical. This kind of behavior is repetitious. This is sadly how the human race is historically. This is normal. This is, this is something that typically takes place amongst mankind. He said, He said, I swear by Allah, you have said, Y'all said the same thing that Bani Israel, that Banu Israel said to Musa. The Jews said the same thing to Musa. This, this is history repeating itself. This is a sunnah. This is how human beings are. They're not content with Tawheed. They, they, they get distracted and mesmerized by what the kuffar have and they fall into nonsense with them. He said, and he recited the verse, Ij'allana ilaha. Musa, could you make for us a God to worship, an idol? Kema lahum aliha. Just like the mushrikeen have an aliha. Musa said to them, you are ignorant people. Y'all are so ignorant. Y'all are so ignorant. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, said, figuratively speaking, or literally speaking, he said the toad, the, 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 the wet sand from the sea, the Red Sea, right, the, and, and, uh, that separates, you know, that part of the, um, you know, where the Arabian Peninsula is, this, this pretty much setting it in, like basically between Jeddah and where Jerusalem and that area is, all right, that in Egypt, that side of the world, I should say, that sea, that water that separates um, the middle, that part of the Middle East from the, the African side. Before they crossed, right after they crossed over that water, Ibn Kathir, Allah said that the uh, the wet sand from the Red Sea was still wet between their toes when they made this statement. Meaning, Allah had just opened the sea for Musa. They lit and, and for Bani Israel, they literally just got finished looking at the power of Allah. Now we have to use our imaginations. Could you imagine like seeing the whales or whatever? I don't even know what kind of sea life is in that water. But could you imagine seeing you know the sea life swimming along the side of you as you travel? This we're not talking about walking from you know here to what's that Park Avenue or Central. We're talking about walking from one continent to another continent through water. Right? We're talking about a, a walk, not 15 minutes. This is, I mean, subhanAllah, to go from Jeddah to Egypt in an airplane is about 45 minutes in an airplane. So we're talking about walking through the Red Sea from one side to the next. To go from that part of the Middle East to that part of the world where they went to from, you know, from when they were running from Fidon's persecution. That was like, you know, that's a, that's a, a 45-minute flight. To get from Jeddah or from any part of that part of the Red Sea to the Egyptian side or, or vice versa. To get from one side to the next is about a half hour, 45 minute flight. Flight. Now, in modern day airplanes, if you take a flight right now, it's going to take about a half an hour, 45 minutes at least. So we're talking about people walk through this, 
watching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hold the water to, yani, at bay on both sides. And after that, they told Musa, Can you make a God for us to worship? Just like those mushrikeen have a God to worship. So the Prophet ﷺ, he let the companions know, um, you have the same, this is a sunnah, this is a, a sad thing that repeats itself historically. Now, there's a lot of commentary on this narration, but we don't have the time to mention it all. So we're just going to read up until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for us and then we'll stop inshallah to barak wa ta'ala. The first thing that Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan hafizahullah ta'ala he mentioned that we want to uh, point out is he said هذا دليل على آفتي الجهل this shows the tremendous uh, disease or ill effect of ignorance. Of a person not understanding something. Right? This shows how hard or how horrible and how dangerous it is for people to be uneducated about their religion. Especially when it comes to Tawheed. Because these were the greatest people to walk the face of the earth. But because at that time they had learned. They were still new Muslims. They were learning. Right? They requested something that had they not been with the right person, had they not had someone who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevated to that level where they understood Tawheed and they knew how to guide them and instruct them in the right way, they could have destroyed themselves. Ignorance is dangerous, especially when it comes to Tawheed. He said, And that human beings can easily fall into polytheism to worshiping something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or violating the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to their ignorance. This is how Muslims are celebrating Christmas. It's not because Muslims actually saying, listen, I want to be fallen to shirk and I want to go to Jahannam and I want to get punished. They don't understand Tawheed. So to them it's like, what's the big deal? We are just being kind to our neighbors. We're indulging with people. You know, we invite them for Eid. We have interfaith. They come by us and then we go by them because they don't understand Tawheed. So this ignorance it's very, very detrimental. Alright? He said, He's also in this narration, we find there's an encouragement that the people learn the aqidah and they understand it properly. Okay? And that they actually try to learn how to apply it. They understand it in depth and learn how to apply it, right? Out of fear that human beings may fall into what these individuals specifically, specifically, Banu Israel fell into. He said, so those individuals who are real last days ago nowadays, and they say, why are they studying Aqidah and they're already Muslim? What is a Muslim doing studying, you know, monotheism and learning about Tawheed and learning how to stay away from polytheism? They're already Muslim. Ya subhanallah. Al-Muslim huwa awla bi al-Aqidah min ajli an islama. He said the Muslim has, is the one who's supposed to study Aqidah more than anybody else so that his Islam can be pure, Islam can be healthy and strong. 
He said, من أجل أن يحفظ أن يحفظ دينه so that he can preserve his religion. هؤلاء مسلمون ومع هذا وقعوا في هذه القضية بسبب أنهم لم يتعلموا. He said, these people who we're talking about right now, Abu Waqid, يعني الحادث الليثي رضي الله عنه and the other sahaba that were with him, they were Muslims. But they didn't know at the time. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not favor them and that they had a leader, the best leader human beings could have that could teach them Tawheed, imagine what would have happened to them. So he said, these are Muslims. We're not talking about regular Muslims. This is the Sahaba, who understood enough about Islam at that time to not try to innovate anything without checking with the message of Allah sallallahu first. And they still almost fell into something very, very dangerous. What about today when the Muslims are just freestyle and do what they want to do in terms of worship? So the Muslim has to never ever lighten up on aqidah uh, or lighten up on aqidah like the Imam just said, Hafizullah. Tawheed is throughout everything. When we're setting up educational institutions for our children, be it secular or otherwise, the aqidah and the tawheed is with that. That's the implementation of tawheed. When we are setting up, you know, holistic lifestyles and food pantries and teaching people nutrition and how to have babies the natural way, all of that, the tawheed is involved in all of that. And it's never compromised. He said, فَفِي هَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَى وُجُوبِ تَعَلِّمٌ عَقِيدَةِ الصَّحِيحَةِ In this hadith, we find that it's an obligation that the Muslim learns the correct, authentic, pure doctrine and creed. وَوُجُوبِ تَعَلُّمِ مَا يُضَادُهَا مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَالْبِدْعِ وَالْخُرَافَاتِ And it shows the obligation of learning that which, is oppo- that which opposes tawheed, that which is opposed to the correct aqidah. Right from polytheism and innovation and superstitions, so that people know how to stay away from these things. And there was nothing. He said there was nothing that caused the people, grave worshippers, for example. Like we find many of the Tasawwuf, the Sufis, have fallen into grave worship. He said that the, there's nothing that caused these people to fall into grave worship, shirk, right? Paganism, right? Many of them, right? People who worship the graves and so on and so forth, there's no thing that caused them to fall into that other than ignorance, other than due to the ignorance. And they actually think that this is from Islam. Just like those companions of a waqid. And the people who were with him from the Sahaba, they didn't know. They weren't actually trying to violate the rights of Allah. They thought that this was a good thing because of ignorance. They didn't know at the time. He said, This is a tremendous affliction. فهم أخرجوهم من كفر إلى كفر وكونه يبقى على كفره أحسن من كونه ينتقل أو من كونه ينتقل إلى كفر يسمى بها أو يسمى باسم الإسلام. He said many of the people to such an extent that we heard that many people callers to Islam in America. He said from the Sufis and the grave worshippers are calling people to worship graves. He said so now what's happening to them is they're actually going to non-Muslims and inviting non-Muslims from disbelief to disbelief. 
From Kufa to Kufa. Come leave Christianity, stop worshiping. What are you doing? Come worship this sheikh in the grave. Right? Stop celebrating Christmas and come over here and celebrate some other polytheistic, ritualistic holiday that we've invented to Islam. Oh, and so for a Muslim to not understand aqidah is so easy. I know a brother. Um, you know, he used to be in the masjid. He, he appeared to be a person who loved the sunnah. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if he married somebody. Sometimes people marry the wrong person. I don't know if he married some girl. I don't know what happened. But he got married and he disappeared for a while. And the next thing I know, I see him on uh, social media. His beard is gone. He got a big, thick old mustache. And he's just posting all of these Sufi videos. And I mean real Tosovov videos. I mean like where they be breakdancing. You know how they be like going in and out and in and out and dancing around. And we thought that he was someone that understood the sunnah. Like maybe he, but Juan, it's not safe out here. Right? It's a war going on outside. No man is safe from. Right? And said, there is nobody safe. No matter if he's six feet or eight one. Right? That's what they like the poet said. It's a war going on. There's no, and it's a war of ideas, right? So people think I'm good, I'm a Muslim, right? I go, mashallah. I know the brothers, they know me, I'm here. I go to this masjid, I go to that masjid. I know the Imam Sadiq, that's my boy. But when Sadiq teaches Tawheed, you don't go. Yeah, but I know him. Okay. If you don't sit in the classes and learn the Tawheed and understand it, master it, take it seriously, you may be somewhere and somebody slip you a bad idea and you take it. They'll slip you a bad idea, right? And you take it. Just like those college kids that used to go off before social media, right? And people would give them, remember back in the day, say, slip you a Mickey. They give you a drink. You think it's iced tea or something, drink, you pass out. They rob you. The women, they take advantage of them and their bodies because they didn't know. You have to be educated. You got to know Tawheed. You got to know Shib. One of the poets, he said, Arab to Shabla, Nadi Shabli. I learned about evil not because I want to be evil, but I learned about evil more to learn how to stay away from it. Because the one who does not understand the difference between good and evil falls into the evil. There's no time to be ignorant. He said, and if these people, he said, the sad thing is that if these non Muslims who were called to a different form of disbelief by these Sufis, would have just stayed with their Christianity or their Judaism or whatever disbelief they were on before. He said that would have been better for them than to leave one kind of kufr to the next. Because at least before they were astray, now they're astray and they actually believe that they've been called to the truth. It's a very, very dangerous thing. He said, and we're just going to skip a little bit um, and go down to some of the points that I really want to mention. Inshallah to Baruch Ta'ala. He said, وَيَنُوطُونَ بِهَا أَسْلِحَتَهُمْ وَلِلْمُشْرِكِينَ سِدْرَةٌ يَعْقُفُونَ عِنْدَهَا وَيَنُوطُونَ بِهَا أَسْلِحَتَهُمْ They had a tree called that on the wap and they used to, uh, you know, camp out and sit around the tree um, and stay there the same way we do, like when we say we make i'tikaf in the masjid. The Muslim stays in the masjid for a long period of time. Al-Uquf is when a person stays in a place for a long period of time. So they used to sit around this tree, these mushrikeen, and just hang out there because they thought the tree had some benefit. He said, and they would hang their swords on it. 
Nawt is when you hang something on something. The reason why they used to hang out and sit around the tree and hang their swords on the tree is because of a tabarruk behind this shajara, because they thought it was some barakah in this tree. So then when they saw this, they said to the Messenger of Allah, as we mentioned, Ya Rasulullah, make for us a tree like, you know, that and want a tree like this that we can hang our swords on just like they have a tree uh, that they hang their swords on. He said, Sheikh Fazayim, Hafizullah, he said, A'jabahum amul mushrikeen. They were amazed by an action that the mushrikeen performed. Now, we're not talking bad about the Sahaba, we are highlighting some of uh, an experience that our brothers, our Salaf al-Salih, who preceded us experienced and were learning from it. We're not talking down on them. Because even on that day, with all of their ignorance, they were better than us. So I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Okay, but we are pointing it out, and Sheikh is pointing it out, rahimahullah ta'ala, that these individuals, due to their lack of knowledge, and this was something that was understood because they were new, they were new Muslims. And he, as the Sheikh mentioned earlier in the explanation, which is part we skipped, he said that the reason why Abu Waqad al Laythi made it clear in the beginning of the narration that we were new Muslims because he wanted everybody to excuse them. Listen, don't think we were just some ignorant people that were comfortable being ignorant. We were brand new Muslims that we didn't know better. So before I tell you the story, I want to put you in the mind frame of where we were historically, right? So the Sheikh said they got amazed by the actions of the polytheists, of the Mashriqin. They thought that this action was okay. It was something that was normal. They didn't think it was a bad thing because they were previously non-Muslim. This wasn't a big, big deal. Right? It's like if a brand new Muslim just accepted Islam two days ago, come to the masjid, and he sees somebody smoking a cigarette outside, he's not going to be like, whoa, because he doesn't know yet. Brand new Muslim come to the masjid, and he sees he, a Muslim somewhere with a girlfriend, he's not going to know. He's not even going to realize it. He's not, I remember one time, it was a, a young man in the masjid, and we were trying to give him dawah, and he was, just, he was just talking regularly about whatever. It didn't really make him a difference. Talking about girls and hanging out and everything. Nobody said anything because he was a new Muslim. But he didn't, to him, he didn't know anything. He was brand new. I don't think he even was a Muslim yet. Maybe. I can't remember. I think we, either we were trying to give him dawah or he just accepted Islam. Nonetheless, whatever came out of his mouth, we pardoned him. And we only focused on the things that we felt he needed to know that were relevant at that time. But you got to expect anything. And that's years ago. Imagine nowadays. So this is just a heads up. If new Muslims come into the masjid or we find people coming in to learn about Islam, don't be shocked. Anything that comes out of your mouth nowadays won't shock me, right? So don't be shocked. We have a whole different set. What are we going to do if a transgender come to the masjid and say they want to go to the sister side? But it's a brother that, it was a man that used to be, wait, it was a man, he was born a man, but now he wants to be a woman so when they come to the masjid, did he want to go on the sister side? We had a situation like that in New York. We had a situation like that in New York. Where a transgender, I don't know what it was, Aslan, if it was a male or female, but it wound up on the sister side. What are you going to do? You got, of course, you're going to, the, 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 the individual has to be put out. Or have to be, you have to go somewhere. You can't go on the sister side if you were born a man. But this is, these are the kind of things that as communities we have to prepare ourselves for. So we have to be yani, uh, 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 knowledgeable enough to deal with these things. We have to have the, not the academics where we are studying our religion enough to know the examples of those who preceded us in righteousness from the prophets and messengers, alayhi wa and 
uh, the companions of the Prophet وسلم, and those succeeding generations and how they dealt with all kind of bizarre situations. And regardless of how sick all of these things are, being a transgender and all of that, there's nothing worse than shirk and kufr. So if the Prophet وسلم, knew how to deal with shirk and kufr, believe me, we know, we, inshallah, ta'ala, know how to deal with all the other right, vices and sicknesses in society. So he said that they were amazed and mesmerized by the action of the polytheists. And they thought that this was a normal, they didn't think there was anything wrong with what they asked. And really what it was, they were just trying to get some barakah. And they thought that that was a good thing. That was their, they got caught up in their passion thinking it was a good thing. So they asked the Prophet to make a tree for them where they can go and spend a long time laying around it and trying to get barakah out of the tree. And likewise, they would be able to hang their swords on it and try to get some barakah from the tree. The Sheikh said, he said, however, look at the etiquette of the companions of the Prophet and that they did not proceed and go forward towards this action without first checking with the Prophet Oh, how many of us is actually like that? Besides Ahl Sunnah, who's like that? They do everything. You go to a masjid, you see our brothers and sisters who we love, the things that they make, you look at the salah, you say, man, they, somebody, majority of the time you see somebody doing something in the salah that the Prophet ﷺ did not do. There's so many things that people do, so many things that they say, some do to lack of education, some do to miseducation. There's some weak narrations that people think authentic and, you know, they make the mistake. But there's some people who don't have any proof of the things that they do and they do it comfortably. But these men weren't like that. They saw active worship, they saw something they thought to be beneficial to themselves religiously, but they didn't just do it themselves and, 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 and take it upon themselves to implement this thing. They check with the Prophet وسلم, first. He said, he said, the Muslim, if he's, edu- if he's amazed by something and he thinks that this thing is going to be beneficial, he should not hasten and rush and get involved in this particular thing until he first weighs it up against the Qur'an and Sunnah. And if it's sanctioned by the Qur'an and Sunnah and it's approved by Allah and His Messenger, then fine. If it's not, then he leaves it off. That's why Imam al-Baghdari rahimahullah said, Unzur ila ahli zamanika Pay attention to the people, right? Uh, and to and your time specifically. And Imam al-Barbahari, rahimahullah, is from the students of us, of the students of Imam Ahmed Muhammad. And he advised the people, before you get at anything, don't, don't, do not hasten or rush into any act of worship until you first, until you look and you examine. Did any of the companions of the Prophet discuss this thing? We can ready to do right here. We can ready to perform this act of worship. We can ready to celebrate the birthday of the Prophet. We can ready to take our shoe and throw it off at the Jamarat. Whatever act of worship that people think they're gonna do, 
we're getting ready to uh, have two, three, four, five, six, seven khutbahs for Jum'ah. Whatever it is the people are going to do. Before we do this act of worship, let's stop and find out what the Prophet taught his Sahaba regarding this day. He said, This shows the obligation on always refer, returning back to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah. When it comes to any act of worship, and if the people don't come at their own because they have a desire to do good, they still don't allow that to yani, cause them just get involved in any and everything they want to get involved in, whether it comes from them or from somebody else. Without referring back to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his Prophet and this proves that all act of worship is restricted to revelation. That it can't be done based off of your own ideas and what you feel like doing. It's restricted to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. He said, فَقُولُهُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And it's as far as the statement we said, O Masjid of Allah, make for us a tree that we can hang our swords on. He said, as far as this statement, it's very clear that it is talking about, or it's very clear that they thought that some benefit was going to come out of that. And then the sheikh went on, he mentioned the statement where Allah, when the Prophet ﷺ replied to them by saying, Allahu Akbar, inna sunan, that Allah is the greatest Indeed, this is a sunnah, this is a way, a, a, a typical way human beings tend to behave. He said, The Prophet ﷺ became angry and bothered when they made this statement. He was amazed, yeah, it really affected him. He said, He glorified Allah. Above this action, above this statement. He said, and this is the wahadi This is the normal practice of the Prophet. And is there any time something really amazed him or something, you know, it, 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 it you know, he, he saw it to be wrong, he saw it, the thing to be defective, he would glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness. And lastly, the Shaykh he said, Inna has sunan, that the Prophet said, indeed, this is the sunan, a turq al masluka. This is a typical thing, pathways and traditions and customs that people typically fall into. A as sababu anna ladi awqa'ahum fi hadha huwa tashabbahu bima alayhi nas. Huwa tashabbahu bima alayhi nas. He said that when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the Sunan, this is a typical way that people behave historically. This is a, a normal trend that people tend to follow. What he meant by that is that this is what happens. Muslims, right, typically get influenced by non-Muslims and they start to behave like them. People follow other people. Everything is trendy. Did the Prophet ﷺ speak the truth or not? Everything is trendy. People don't even know how to think for themselves anymore. Amidst so many of these ideas that people have right now, that's not their ideas. 
You'll find someone that has a, he has, before, years ago, he would have total opposition against this thing or that thing. But now, because the society is telling them you have to accept it, they're pushing a the narrative. You tell someone, listen, if you're born a man, you're a man. If you're struggling with your own self, you have some hormonal imbalance or something's wrong with you psychologically, let's try to help you. But don't try to change this into the norm and make people that don't have your problem think that they should develop this problem because it's trendy. There's so many people now who are jumping on the bandwagon so many different things. It was a time when taking pills was considered taboo. Nobody would dare pop a pill. Now popping a pill is normal. Normal. When the opioid epidemic first hit, I thought they were talking about heroin. Then I found out, no, they're talking about prescription drugs. Because the trend was to go ahead and do that. There was a time when Muslims wouldn't dare do certain things. Now it's trendy to come on social media with your wife next to you and smiling and grinning all in the camera. That's normal. People are doing that living right now. And it's trendy. It's okay. They don't buy it. Nobody's bothered by it anymore. So many things were taboo. But because people, Yanni, they change, they, they, they typically, you know, flock towards individuals who they're amazed by. So the Sheikh, he said, that when the Prophet wasallam saw them or heard their question or their request, he let them know, this is total al-masluka. This is a sunnah. This is something that people typically do. They fall into uh, bad habits because they are imitating other people. They've fallen victim to a trend. The Sheikh said to imitate the kuffar. Right? To imitate them in their acts of worship. And to يعني, just blindly follow them and be on their trends. He said, It's a tremendous disease and affliction and ailment. As the Prophet said, Anybody who imitates the people is from them. وَمَا أَصَابَ بَعْضَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنَ الْأُمُورِ الشَّنِيعَةِ وَمَا أَصَابَ بَعْضَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنَ الْأُمُورِ الشَّنِيعَةِ أَغْلَبُهُ مِنْ جِهَةِ التَّشَبُّهِ بِالْكُفَّارِ He said, most of the things we see afflict the Muslims, most of the things we see afflict the Muslims, right? All of these yani, widespread ailments that we find Muslims victim to nowadays is because they're imitating the kuffar. Most of the things we see Muslims around the world doing right now is because they're non-Muslims, set the trend, and the Muslims were amazed by them, and they wanted to يعني, indulge. He said, The first time shirk ever came to Mecca was because somebody was imitating the kuffar. Some Muslims which got amazed by what the kuffar do, and they said, man, we should start doing that. He said, لِأَنَّهُ لَمَّا ذَهَبَ عَمْرُ بْنُ لُحَيْءِ إِلَى الشَّامِ وَوَجِدَ أَهْلَ الشَّامِ يَعْبُودُونَ الْأَصْنَامِ أَعْجَبَهُ ذَلِكَ When Amr, when Amr ibn Luhay uh, went to um, Mecca, when, uh, Amr ibn Luhay went to Mecca, uh, I'm sorry, when he went to Sham, left Mecca and went to Sham, he got there and he saw the people there worshipping idols. He never had come in contact with this before in his life. Because in Mecca, they were on the religion of Ibrahim, alayhi salatu 
when he left, when Ahmed ibn Luhay left and went traveling, he got, went all through Damascus and Syria, different places. He got to Sham, went to these different places. He saw the people there were worshiping idols. It amazed him. He was like, wow, this is a good idea. We need to start doing this in Mecca. And he brought that idea back to Mecca. وَجَبَّلَهَا لِلْحِجَازِ وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ الْوَقْتِ فَشَشِّرْكُ فِي أَرْضِ الْحِجَازِ And from that time, shirk spread all throughout the Arabian Peninsula. Before that, they were not doing it. All because somebody fell victim to a trend. Because somebody got amazed by the action of the kuffar and they wanted to behave like them. So as the sheikh closes, as we're going to close this statement of the sheikh, he uh, changed the religion of Ibrahim. He changed the religion Medina Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam And this is a tremendous ailment or affliction. And when the Prophet saw that, it really affected him. He was really disturbed to see that, subhanAllah, he actually got a chance to witness the same, a similar situation or the same kind of trick from shaitan that he displayed amongst the people of Bani Israel. He got a chance to see shaitan try to do that same thing to his people. But alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored them and that the Prophet sallallahu was there to correct it and make sure that they didn't fall into anything and it didn't affect them. So they remained the point. You know, it didn't compromise their tawheed because they learned what was right and what was wrong and they moved, yani they remained steadfast upon that which was correct. However, in many cases, the Muslims, sadly enough, there are not enough people educating, you know, a lot of the people that are getting... Uh, you know, uh, the most attention in social media and the most attention they have the strongest or most uh, influential, right, platforms, they're not educating Muslims in these areas. So the trends and the things, the, the uh, affect and afflictions and ailments that the Muslims are being plagued with are not being rectified and not being corrected because instead of the Muslims with good etiquette, with good exhortation, Wisdom and good exhortation correcting these vices, they're selling out. They don't want to talk about it. Nobody wants to get advised. You tell someone something, they want to point out your faults, but you're not perfect. Don't worry about me. I'm a good person. I got a good heart. Why are you bothering me? Leave me alone. Let me go. You're a hater. All the different kind of ways to deflect the advice. There's so many people, Muslims, a lot of times you'll find Muslims, they don't want to give, they don't want to be confrontational. So they just, these du'at and these callers and these educators are just letting everybody fall into all of these evil trends, not warning against them, not calling the Muslims away from them, leaving them to those trends, and it's gradually destroying us, piece by piece. Piece by piece, little by little. Shaitan, his plot is very, he's a very, he can take his time to destroy. He'll take his time. If he believes that gradually pacing himself is going to destroy you, then that's what he'll do. And we see this happening to the Muslims. So if we don't walk away from anything or with anything, then at least we need to walk away with the benefit that Muslims, we already have something that's trendy with us. It's the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the book of Allah, the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu We don't need to get influenced by these people in anything. We don't need to get influenced. There are some things that we all experience as human beings. We all are going to eat, we're all going to drink, we're all going to enjoy fresh air. That's a general thing. 
But those things that the kuffar have exclusified themselves and singled themselves out with, singled themselves out with, the, 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 the sins that they commit, the beliefs that they hold, the way they respond to the truth, and so on and so forth, there is in no shape, form, or fashion any place for us in that. And of course, Yanni, we all are growing and we're developing, so we have to be easy with one another. Everybody's not going to be on the same level. Sometimes you have a family, children, who their parents are not really as receptive and as easy going, and the, 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 the daughter or the son may want to make change, and the parents are forcing them to not, you're trying to keep them from developing that way religiously. There's so many, people are dealing with so many things, so this isn't a call for us to get worked up and just start to go out, go home, go into our communities, and make things difficult on everybody, but we do have to understand that there's a job to do, right? There's a job to do, and part of that job is that we have to remove ourselves from the trends and ideology of the non-Muslims. Because the, the sad thing is, what we don't realize is that, yani, or sad, I should say, that we don't realize is that we're the leaders. We're the moral leaders of society. We're the ones that's supposed to be calling people to morality. These people don't know what morality is. This is a, look, the Sahaba, when they first accepted Islam, some of them, like Abu Waqid, they didn't even understand Tawheed all the way. Imagine these kuffar. They don't know anything of Tawheed, nothing at all, no clue. They are the level of Dalala. They are astray in ways that many of us can't even conceptualize. We can't even process the level of deviation that they're upon. And until we educate ourselves and understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and value it and try to uh, develop our communities in ways that we are independent of their ideologies and their concepts, we're going to struggle. وعلى آله وأصحابه جمعين وسبحانك اللهم وبحمدك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت واستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته